Hello and welcome back to Warrior Walker. We're so glad you joined us today. We hope you're safe. And if you or anyone you know is in imminent danger, please do not hesitate to contact the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. I wanted to share with you today, or I feel led to share with you today, a little bit more about just a few instances uh, of my own experiences with spiritual abuse in and through churches, pastors, and other Christians. And these are just a few instances and do not come close by far to even, um, they don't, they don't even come close to all the experiences I've had in this area, unfortunately. Um, abuse is something that unfortunately is not understood by a lot of people still to this day. Although thankfully it is still, it is now less of a taboo topic than it used to be. And it is discussed much more than it used to be. So um, some awareness and, and revelation is, I believe, beginning to happen. So that's a good thing. But we're still far from where we need to be in this. And so I personally believe that a lot of this, um, a lot of the misunderstandings and lack of, a port, uh, lack of support, excuse me, lack of support from um, especially pastors and church leaders and other Christians is because of a lack of understanding and a focus on reconciliation and the goal being relationship with Jesus. And unfortunately, um, a lot of churches seem to be okay with anything that happens as long as it's within the conf confines of marriage. And that, I believe, is a huge mistake and not biblical. Um, but like I said, thankfully, we are learning and growing as a society and more people are coming out um, and being more comfortable um, and more willing to talk to talk about this, to discuss domestic violence as it occurs. And the fact that it is not appropriate within any kind of relationship and especially not within a marriage. And one of the big things I've finally seen just starting to happen and kind of trickling down, so to speak, is that people are finally willing to start addressing the fact that just because you're a husband and the Bible says for the, your wife to submit to you does not mean you get to abuse her. And it's actually anti-biblical against God's word. And you're being disobedient to Christ when you do abuse or try to abuse your wife. Um, so these are just, like I said, a few of the instances of spiritual abuse that I've experienced both within and outside of the church by pastors, Christian leaders, people claiming to be Christians and other Christians. And maybe you've experienced some of these as well or something close to it or similar to it. I hope not. But maybe if you have, you didn't recognize that that was spiritual abuse. I know I didn't used to recognize it as spiritual abuse. And again, these are just a few of my experiences with spiritual abuse in and through the church mostly. Um, these occurrences have caused me to understand why some people leave the church or sometimes don't even like Christians. I feel like we all need to be better, including me. So this is a reminder to myself as well. 
Thankfully, my relationship with Jesus is deep enough that I understand that I shouldn't be following a pastor, a church, or other people who claim to be Christians, but I follow Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. But not everyone understands that. And these are just some of my experiences. There are many more. We need to, as a society, as Christians, and especially as church members, people of the church, we need to discuss these instances and expose them to the light not try to get anyone to feel sorry for us, but, or not to make them pity us, but to try to do better and be better Christians and church members. So, um, one of these instances was, um, I had moved to a new town and I had started visiting a local church and I felt like this was my church people. Like I felt like I really connected with these people and everything. Um, it kind of felt like home. And honestly, it felt like, um, I was at a church that I would have attended back when my children were young and I was homeschooling and, you know, I was surrounded by the Christian community. I'm not surrounded by that anymore. And I haven't been for a long time for years because God keeps placing me, um, in my workplace in public places and so that environment has been missing for me for, for a long time now, for many years now. And so at first, I really felt like I had finally found my church home at the new, new place where I had moved, where God had led me to move. Um, but, then, um, but then one day, I got out of the blue, I received a private message from the pastor at this church, whom I had talked to several on several occasions. Um, I had been very honest with him about my life from day one, told him pretty much everything. Um, but I got this message out of the blue while I was at work telling me that the, he needed to talk to me urgently. And basically, he wanted to talk to me within the next 24 hours. But he refused to tell me what, what it was about. And... Um, The church was a half hour drive from where I worked, about a 20 minute drive from where I lived. And it was clear and obvious to me that he expected me to um, make some time to meet with him within the next 24 hours at the church and, and drive that way to discuss something urgent. And he wouldn't tell me what it was about. So I finally agreed to meet with him. And when I arrived, he kind of challenged me on something and confronted me as if this thing were just suddenly knowledge to him. But I had been, I had told him about this thing he was discussing with me from the first day I went to the church. He knew from day one and I had repeated it constantly. It wasn't something that I had tried to hide or anything. It wasn't anything bad. Um, But I realized later And I was like, wait, why is this suddenly an issue? You know, like he knew from day one what I was doing. Um, And it wasn't anything bad. He assumed it was bad, but it was not. And I finally realized later, oh, there must have been a church member that wanted revenge because I had um, just briefly mentioned to the pastor in passing the week before about how the class I was attending at church, which was led by um, one of the husbands of the church, 
that, you know, it seemed kind of odd to me that someone with multiple mental illnesses was allowed to lead this class at church. Um, not that someone with multiple mental illnesses can't lead a class, but compounded by this fact, it depends what the illnesses are, right? But compounded by this fact, I also had briefly mentioned in passing that um, that the husband who was teaching the class, he was simply reading a church brochure, not really teaching the class, which was something I could do at home. So why did I need to come to church to do that? You know, I wasn't trying to be mean or anything. I was simply and literally just stating facts. Like, why do I need to be at the church to read a brochure? I can read it on my own at home. You know, I don't need someone to read a brochure to me. And um, there were, I mean, he made a couple, a couple of comments off to the side, but for the most part, all he really was doing was reading the brochure. But I just mentioned this in passing briefly to the pastor. Well, I realized that most likely the wife wanted revenge and started complaining about me. And I had met with her way back when I had first started attending the church privately so she knew a little bit about my private personal life. So it had to have been her. Um, so, but my issue wasn't the fact that the pastor, you know, talked to me and confronted me. It was that, you know, first of all, he confronted me about this issue as if I were living in sin, which I was not and I am not and I would never do. Plus, I had been honest with him from the beginning. So my big issue with him wasn't that he confronted me, but that he acted like it was a sudden urgent issue and as if I had tried to hide something from him. I, I, would, I would never do that. And I just, I couldn't believe it was almost like he was gaslighting me. So that was one um, example. Another, obviously, I left the church um, because I don't need someone who's supposed to be, you know, walking along with me spiritually. I don't need them, you know, assuming the worst about me and believing the worst about me, especially when I have evidence to the contrary. And then um, another instance that happened was um, after, again, after I had moved to a new town, God had called me to a new town, which he does occasionally now um, in the past several years. Um, I visited a local church and I, you know, I was trying to find a church and at the church service that day in the sermon, the pastor misquoted the Bible in a couple of different ways. So I just wrote a note and submitted this paper challenging his misquoting of scripture. And honestly, I did not expect to hear back from the pastor because, you know, I understand pastors are busy. But to his credit, the pastor actually called me later that day to discuss it. But, and he was really nice at first, but after agreeing that he had indeed misquoted those scriptures in a couple of ways and a couple of places, and that the Bible did not actually say what he said in the service, in his sermon, to the whole entire congregation, he told me, basically told me I needed to let it go. And he said, and this is a direct quote, you should give me grace. <laughs> he wanted me to give him grace. He didn't 
offer to correct it. He did not offer to let the congregation know that, you know, he had misquoted the scriptures. He did not offer to let the congregation know that he was wrong. He did not offer to let the congregation know that, you know, what the scriptures actually said. So, of course, that that tells me, you know, he's kind of a false prophet. And I did not go back because, you know, give me grace. You don't, that's not what giving someone grace means. Giving someone grace is, you know, obviously you you allow them to be human. I, I was doing that. We all are human. Um, pastors are held to a higher level of accountability, but they're still human. But we are responsible in leaders. The Bible says teachers of the word and pastors teach the word will be held to a higher standard, a higher level of accountability. And if we're teaching the word and we find out or discover that we've said something wrong or erroneously or made an error, we are responsible to correct that and to let the people that we told that know, hey, I was wrong, you know? Um, another instance was um, many years ago, uh, a former pastor literally forced me to stand at the front of the sanctuary in a church facing my severely abusive ex-husband and tell him that I forgave him. This assumed that I had not forgiven my ex-husband. I had forgiven him. Just because I forgave him didn't mean the abuse stopped. He kept abusing me, but I was demanded to forgive my husband for his abuse of me. And in the sanctuary, in front of the pastor, facing my ex-husband who was abusive to me. It was humiliating, mortifying, spiritually abusive, and completely inappropriate. To the pastor's credit, later in later years, he did apologize to me for having done that when I confronted him later after I started getting stronger and, and had escaped that abusive marriage. Another instance was a former pastor from years ago who was actually a senior pastor in a church when I first went to that church and visited, I had um, scheduled an appointment with him and I asked him if he could keep me safe because I was fleeing my abusive ex-husband. And he told me he would do his best, but he couldn't promise. Eventually, my abusive ex-husband stalked me to that church. And instead of protecting me, what happened was my husband, ex-husband and I had gotten in an argument before the meeting that day, which now I believe he did intentionally. And I'm a very real person. What you see is what you get. If I'm upset, everybody knows it, unfortunately. Like my face shows it, my body language, you know, my my words aren't as cheerful and chipper as they normally are. Like I'm just real. My ex-husband, not so much. He's fake. He's He was one way behind closed doors and another way in public. You know, the, the one thing I wouldn't do was cuss in public. But other than that, I was exactly the same. Um, if I was angry, everybody knew it. If I was sad, everybody knew it. If I was happy, everybody knew it. And so my ex-husband, I believe, deliberately got me angry intentionally. And then and he was acting crazy. And then he just turned it all off like a water faucet. And when we met with the senior pastor, he was calm, cool, and collected and acted so incredibly nice and sweet and professional. And it was complete opposite of like five minutes before we arrived when he was screaming and cussing at me, 
and emotionally abusing me. And the senior pastor believed my ex-husband over me because I was still upset. I was still angry. I was still, you know, I wasn't cussing, but I was still yelling and I was still angry and I was still crying. And so I looked like the crazy one when it was actually my ex-husband. And um, the pastor walked out for a minute and came back and accused me of being the one to disrespect my ex-husband because he didn't see what my ex-husband had done to me previously, right before that meeting even. And he just assumed that my husband was the one telling the truth. And he believed the fake him and, and didn't believe the real me. Um, another instance, uh, my ex-husband was stalking me and chasing me in the car. And I had our children in the car with me. And they were younger at the time. And I was going 65 miles an hour in a 35 zone to try to escape from him. And he was right on my tail and he was not letting up. And I was actually terrified. It was horrifying. Um, this is actually kind of a common occurrence for, unfortunately, um, women victims when they try to sometimes try to leave their abusive partners or husbands. Um, stalking occurs, especially car chases. Unfortunately, I was in shock at the time because I didn't think that he would ever do something like that, but he was definitely doing it. So I managed to call the emergency line at the church asking for help, requesting help. Um, it was a very dangerous situation. And the pastor, you know, I was hoping he'd say, oh, come to the church. We'll help you. We'll protect you. He didn't say that. He said, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. And the pastor told me to call a friend and ask them for help. So I'm trying to escape my husband at high speeds in town in a low speed zone while being on the phone. And now I have to make a yet another phone call. It was just a very dangerous situation. Thankfully, God kept me and the children safe. So I finally did call a friend who happened to be a counselor. And thankfully, she helped us and harbored us and hid us in her home until the danger had passed and my ex-husband had, you know, disappeared finally um, because he had been chasing me at high speeds in a low speed zone in town. And I was terrified. Um, I could not count on that church to protect me at all. <laughs> and because we were married, they thought that I was making it up or exaggerating. And I literally found out years later that my ex-husband had been going around telling everyone at the church, including leadership other congregational members, everyone, that I was exaggerating the abuse, which was not true at all. If anything, I was minimizing it. <clears throat> another time at another church, uh, an elder, I went up for prayer <clears throat> one time, and I don't remember what I asked for prayer for, but it definitely was not what he prayed for me about. He looked at me like I was crazy and in so much shock on his face. I can still see his facial expression. Then he told me that I needed to understand how much God loved me. This was, again, back when I was still married to my abusive ex-husband. As I said, I'd gone up for prayer about something completely unrelated, but the elder prayed for me to understand how much God loved me instead of what I had requested for prayer when I went up. Um, another thing that happened one time was um, I had started dating someone. Um, I've been divorced for over 12 years now, so... You know, I've dated off and on during that time, but I had been attending um, a church singles Bible study, Sunday school Bible study at this church. 
And I was absent one day. And I found out later that the teacher slash leader of this singles Bible study at the church, the Sunday school Bible study, had told the entire class when I was absent that most people, when they miss class, it's because they're living in sin. And she basically implied that I was having premarital sex with the man I was dating. The truth was I was with the man I was dating, but I was in a nearby state volunteering in his church cafe with him. Definitely not living in sin like she implied. So, I mean, these are just a few instances and I could go on and on and on with the spiritual abuse I've experienced from pastors, leaders, and other Christians in churches and outside of churches. But as I said earlier, I know that I follow Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I don't follow pastors. I don't follow people. I follow God. So, you know, like I said, these were just a few instances of some of the church abuse or abuse of other Christians or spiritual abuse. You know, and we don't think of this as abuse, but it is. Um, I just remembered one more, and I may have shared this on one other podcast, but one time I became severely depressed. I mean, I was having suicidal thoughts and everything because I was experiencing so much abuse and had experienced so much abuse at the hands of my ex-husband. And um, I was in the church sanctuary after service, and this lady came up and sat next to me and asked me what was wrong. And I was so depressed and had gone through so much abuse that I had physically become ill. And this lady, I know she meant well, but she said one of the worst things anyone could have possibly ever said to me. And she said, well, you just need to make up your mind. And she was telling me that I need to pick myself up, dust myself off and move on, basically was what she was saying. But it wasn't that simple. She just assumed I was just sad for probably literally no reason. But there were reasons I was depressed. There were reasons my body was shutting down. My body, spirit, soul, emotions, mind, everything was just beyond its capacity to tolerate all the abuse, which happened a minimum of every six months for the first 10 years of my marriage. It was at least every six months, sometimes more often. And it was kind of like clockwork. We were like textbook case of the domestic violence cycle, the power wheel, you know. And that was the worst thing she could have said to me. It it heaped blame on me as the victim at that time, you know. And, and I felt even worse. Like, not only am I depressed and my body's shutting down, but on top of it, she made me feel like, oh, I'm a horrible Christian because, you know, apparently I don't have enough faith to pick myself back up and trust God and go on. It's not about trusting God. You can trust God all you want. That doesn't stop people from perpetrating evil against you. It doesn't stop other people from having their own free will. Yes, God is in control. And yes, God can use evil and does use evil for good and turns evil into good for those who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. But the evil exists first. (laughs) You can't turn evil into good if it's not there to begin with, right? So this advice, so-called advice from her, was just absolutely debilitating. And it sunk me even further into depression. And my body got even worse at the time. So, you know, if you see someone who's struggling, try to have compassion. I would suggest don't try to give them advice. You know, if they ask for advice, that's one thing. You know, but it also, you know, in retrospect, made her seem like she seemed... She felt like she was so much more spiritual than I was. 
you know, I had valid, legitimate reasons for my body shutting down and for feeling depressed, but I couldn't share them. I felt like I couldn't share them with anyone at the time. So she just assumed that, you know, I had no reason to be that way. And that's a huge mistake. We should never assume anything about anyone. You know, I just thought of something else and and there are multiple more, but I went to all kinds of counseling, biblical counseling, secular counseling, you name it, to try to get help for my abusive marriage and my abusive ex-husband. The problem was I wasn't the majority of the problem. Yes, I had issues, but I was blaming myself for everything. And I truly believed I was so brainwashed back then. I truly believed that I was a bad wife and that I wasn't a good enough wife. And that if I yelled or cussed at my husband, I deserved to be slapped across the face or I deserved to be pulled around the kitchen by my ponytail or I deserved to be shoved down the stairs. That's not true. Nobody deserves to be abused, you know, but I blamed myself for everything. I took responsibility for everything, which left accountability for him for absolutely nothing. And that's not right because when an abuser abuses someone, We shouldn't be asking, why don't you leave the abuser? Or why didn't you leave the abuser? We should be asking the abuser, what the heck were you thinking, man? There's a song by Toby Mac that I used to sing after I finally was free from my ex-husband and his abuse of me. And it's called Gone. And um, it's a really good song. But I used to sing that kind of like a therapy session to help me express my anger. Um, And I was bitter bitterness. I was bitter toward my ex-husband for a long time. God finally took that away from one day when I prayed and asked him to. He just suddenly it disappeared. Um, but that song was therapeutic. It's called Gone by Toby Mac. You know, and if you have escaped an abusive husband or partner, I'm I'm so glad for you. I'm so happy for you. You know, and people back then, you know, I like the worst thing possible in the Christian church, a lot of times people look at divorce as the worst thing possible. But divorce is not worse than abuse, not even according to God. Look at Malachi 2.16. It's actually equal. Abuse is just as bad as divorce, but that's not how the church sees it. That's not how pastors see it. They see it that as long as you're married, you can get through anything. No, you can't. And, you know, unfortunately, we are losing wives and mothers and children to abuse And I know it happens to women too, but statistically speaking, you know, the man is physically stronger, generally speaking. There are some, I understand there are some, and I'm not minimizing that, but you don't need to minimize what happens to women either, just because it also happens to men, you know, we don't need to do that. Um, And so we are losing wives and mothers because, you know, we're sacrificing lives People are literally dying. I am not exaggerating. I wish I were. Women and mothers are literally dying because they're not kept safe in in their homes. Why? Because church leaders and pastors are telling them to be better wives so that their husbands will stop abusing them. Do you know how messed up that thinking is? It's not biblical at all. And if your church is telling you you need to be a more loving, kinder, more submissive wife and your husband will treat you better, they're full of crap. I'm sorry, but that is not what God says at all. And guess what? We as wives, we need to obey God before anyone else. God first, before our husbands, before our churches. 
We need to obey God. We need to know what the word says. That's why it's so important to read our Bible and to pray and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because he loves us. He created us and he definitely does not want us to be abused. Just like you as a parent or a mother or father, you don't want to see your child abused. God doesn't want to see us abused. And abuse is not love. And if your husband or your partner is abusing you, if your husband's abusing you, he has already broken the marriage covenant, the biblical marriage covenant. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, that is not his role as a husband. And the Bible does not just tell wives to submit to husbands. It tells us all to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Guess what? That means your husband's supposed to submit to you too. Light bulb moment, hopefully for some people. And they don't want to admit that. People who say those things to you, they're just trying to save the marriage at all costs. And unfortunately, sometimes that cost is your life. It's your safety. It's definitely your safety if you're being abused. So don't listen to that. Don't let them brainwash you like I let them brainwash me. Don't let them make you feel guilty, you know. And I'll tell you something. When someone is mean to us, when someone's abusive to us, when someone hurts us by saying mean words or by physically causing injury or physical damage to us. Maybe they grab us so hard we bruise. And if someone tells you you bruise easily, <laughs> that's most likely an abuser. That's an excuse to cover up the fact that they're abusing you. Don't listen to it. But if someone's doing those harmful things to you, you're human. Of course, you're going to react angrily. That is your body's natural response to being hurt. It's the way God made us. He gave us feelings and emotions. So if you're being told by a pastor, by a church, by another Christian, by a friend, that you need to be a better wife or a kinder wife or more submissive wife so that your husband will stop abusing you, don't listen to them. That is the devil using them to exploit you and to cause you to be in a very unsafe situation. And it is against the word of God. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. I pray for you. I hope you'll pray for me too. Um, I love you, but more importantly, Jesus loves you more. Until next time, get to a safe place. God bless you.